0: What's up, guys, and welcome to our next installment of our fantasy mini series that we're doing today. We are focusing on the Baltimore Ravens. They finished last season fourteen and two. They had the best overall record in the league. Uh, we are finally into our uh, divisional round, guys. The uh, the guys that were able to skip the wild card of the playoffs. So Baltimore, they were bounced in their their first playoff game, twenty eight to twelve by the surprising Tennessee Titans. Uh, so they were one and done in the playoffs for the second year in a row, uh, but they they got a lot of promise there, and it all starts with Lamar Jackson. He is he's a very exciting quarterback to watch. He took a huge jump last year, uh, won the MVP. He's um, I think he does. I think he's going to regress this year, mm-hmm. and, and and Jordan will will disagree with me, but. Um, I got him down for about 3,100 yards, 28 touchdowns, which is about eight touchdowns less than what he had last year, 10 interceptions, 950 yards on the ground, and six uh, six rushing touchdowns. So he's still over 400 points for me. He's still in the top five for me. Um, I think he's, I think I got him at two right behind Mahomes, but he's, I mean, it's, you could just tell from just my touchdown regression, he's down about eight touchdowns. I think he's more consistently a more of an eight or 26, 28 touchdown a season guy as opposed to the 36 that he had last year. I guess we'll see. I mean, um, going into another year, same same coaches, same offense. They, they brought in a couple of new weapons, but for the most part, everything kind of stayed the same. Um, so we'll see if it's if it's something that he's consistently a 35 touchdown guy or he's going to be a mid 20s guy, and we'll uh, we'll see a little bit more of that this year. Behind him, they got Robert Griffin, who was there last year. He got to see a little bit of time with them being up so much in a lot of games. He was able to come in and and uh, do all the kneeling down for Lamar Jackson, so mm-hmm. so Lamar didn't have to uh, get his knees dirty um other than that really nobody else but yeah i mean this offense runs through lamar jackson
1: yeah i mean everything that the ravens do revolves around lamar jackson and i mean i'll preface this by saying i'm probably one of the biggest lamar supporters i said from day 1 and i, I mean anybody that talks about fantasy publicly i don't think we like talking about when we're wrong we only like bringing up when we're right But Lamar's been one of the times where I've been very right, because, I mean, I said from the very beginning, and I loved watching him at Louisville, and I really was hoping that somehow the Rams would just give up on Jared Goff and go to Lamar Jackson, because I loved Lamar that much, and I thought he could be a franchise QB, and so far he has been. I won't say that with certainty he's going to long-term. You know, he's only done it a year and a half, and the half season of his rookie year, it wasn't fantastic. He was solid, but I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, he's going to be one of the top guys. I mean, that's a reality is you can slice it any way you want, whether he regresses rushing touchdown. wise. I mean, it doesn't matter because even people that are saying he regresses rushing wise, 950 yards rushing as a uh, quarterback, that's insanity. <laughs> still, so he's still a top two option at the quarterback position. I personally don't think he necessarily has to regress. I hate when people say, and you didn't say this, like he has to regress. I've heard so many people say he's going to regress because he has to, but the reality is he doesn't. The offense that they run is all based on instinct, and I can't stress this enough to people. You literally cannot plan for the read option because Lamar Jackson is reading the defense, And he's taking what the defense gives him. So there's games you look, his rushing was totals weren't as high, but Mark Ingram's were because he's reading that defense. If they're overreacting to Lamar running the ball, they're going to focus on, uh, or he's going to hand it off to Mark Ingram and vice versa. So, and he, he just, it's all about instinct. It's almost impossible to plan and to stop this offense. So I don't think he has to regress. We, and people have to remember, we've never, and I will say this, never in the history of the NFL seen a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And we can compare him to Michael Vick, but he's more explosive and a better passer than Michael Vick was. So we've never seen a guy like this in the NFL, so... Uh, you know, he could be even better. He's still young. What's he, 23 still? We don't know. He's already gotten better at a passer. If he continues to evolve, I mean, it, it's crazy to think that he could be even better than he has been. Am I going to say 100% he is? No, but I, I think you have to at least be open to the possibility. And a lot of people like to hate on him. But I mean, I just sit back and enjoy the ride because you never know if we're ever going to see a quarterback play like he does again in the future. So he's a locked and loaded. He's my QB one just because I think his floor is so high. I just If he plays 16 games, I can't see how he possibly falls out of the top two QBs. When you look at it last year, his season was just insanity. He played 15 games because he sat out the last one. 13 of those 15, he was a top 10 QB. And then 10 of those 15 games, he was a top 4 QB. 10 of fifth that's insanity and I mean you rarely see that kind of consistency so that's it I'm done on Lamar I won't talk about anyone else that much so I'm done
0: all right that's the show um yeah I mean he's definitely exciting to watch he's uh he's definitely taking over this league by storm it's it's seeing if he could just stay consistent with it because we don't see these kind of quarterbacks. Um, continue going on for years and years and years I mean you get and they have another guy just on their team that's the same way Robert Griffin he kind of flamed out after a couple of years but um, maybe Lamar is different and I, I'm definitely rooting for him he came out of Josh Allen's draft class so I kind of I, I kind of want all five of those first round quarterbacks to be somewhat successful one of them really isn't doing anything the other four are one of them's Lamar Jackson the other three are uh are are, are doing solid um but I want the whole I kind of want the whole class to succeed and, and Lamar Jackson's one of them. Uh, the next group that we got here are the running backs, Mark Ingram last year, brought over from New Orleans. He had a really good year for the for the Ravens. I mean, almost anybody that was on this offense last year had a good a decent to really good year. Uh, they just this offense was this offense was just clicking on all cylinders. They don't really have like that huge big name guy. Um, so they kind of just spread the ball out to a lot of different guys and used Lamar's legs. You obviously threw for 36 touchdowns. Uh, Ten of them went to one of their tight ends. So, But Mark Ingram had a really good year. They drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round, who uh, was kind of a shock, but at the same time kind of not because this offense is meant to run the ball, so they want more guys back there. Um, But that J.K. Dobbins draft kind of pushes Gus Edwards back a little bit, Justice Hill back a little bit. Um, There hasn't been any notes in the NFL about having extended rosters or anything because of uh, the COVID going on. Um, Obviously, there's no preseason games, but players are still in camp coaches are seeing a look at these guys in camp uh other teams have different needs and i've been pretty much saying it almost all off season so far and anytime that we talked about the ravens i can see gus edwards on his way out either via trade or just being cut just to get down to 53 and he does deserve to go somewhere else um and maybe not be a full-time starter but to kind of be like a number two to somebody and and it would work out well for him. Obviously, if that doesn't happen, then he's kind of in a. It's it's more. It's going to be a committee more back there. So it's an it's it's kind of a room where, who do you want? It's it's more trusted than. Um, who was the last team that we just talked about? that had a really bad, running back room that we didn't want. The Patriots is definitely one of them, but
1: yes, the Patriots. I'll
0: just use them for an example. I mean, you definitely would trust Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and even Gus Edwards more than than the guys on the Patriots. But it's mm-hmm. it's still one of those things where, who do I start this specific week, or what what's the load gonna be? Uh, they're going up against say the Bengals, who don't have a good defense, and uh, maybe Gus Edwards gets some late gets two touchdowns late in the game because he's put in early in the third quarter or whatever, but it, it it's just they got a lot of good guys back there. It's just who, who do you trust the most out of this running back room?
1: The only reason that you can trust these guys more than the Patriots, for example, is because of this offense and how much they run the ball. I mean, they averaged 37 rush attempts a game last year. I mean, that's insanity. So there's plenty to go around for several backs. I'm actually going to start off with Gus Edwards because I really like Gus Edwards, and I think he can be a starting running back in this league. And I actually kind of hope he gets cut because I'd like to see him in a better opportunity, or traded for that matter. I'd like to see him in a better opportunity. He's a guy that the Patriots signed... Lamar Miller, but I actually think if Gus Edwards went to the Patriots, he would have been their lead back. It reminds me of, and this is going off a little bit, but uh, the – Chargers had Michael Turner behind and Tomlinson years ago and Michael Turner was just this big bruising back and then he went on to the Falcons to be a very successful number one and I think Gus Edwards could do that if he's given that chance so uh, he kind of went under the radar last year and he's still draftable even in this current situation I would say as a very late round pick with J.K. Dobbins there but Gus Edwards did have 711 rushing yards last year, and that went under the radar because we talk about Mark Ingram, we talk about Lamar Jackson, but Gus Edwards, he came in and he got carries pretty consistently and had over 700 yards, so... Uh, very productive. He's averaged over five yards a carry so far in his career. So I like Edwards. He's the kind of guy that I'd love to stash him in a Dynasty League to see if he's able to move on. But uh, I think he can be productive in this league. Uh, then I guess I'll go backwards here with J.K. Dobbins. I don't love where Dobbins is going in drafts right now. He's going way too high for my blood. He's going around the 35th running back. And at that point, you're really counting on him being a flex play. And I think at the best, he replaces Gus Edwards' value last year. Gus Edwards with a 711 yards. So, you know, if he was able to replace that, he wouldn't, he'd be borderline flex. But I I just, I don't see him returning the value. And I see people keep taking him early and earlier because J.K. Dobbins is very talented. He's the future of this offense once they move on from Mark Ingram. I love him in this offense, too, because when you think about it, he just came Uh, from Ohio State where he got to play with Justin Fields who's also a very strong read option quarterback so he's played in a very similar system and he's built to play in this kind of offense so I love Dobbins long term in the beginning I wasn't overly high on him if you watch even a month or two ago when I was talking about him I wasn't high on Dobbins in Dynasty Leagues but I really like him in this offense and I think he'll be super effective Then we'll go to Mark Ingram in redraft leagues, definitely the most fantasy relevant guy. And I personally think he's still being undervalued. Currently, he's going as the 26th running back off the board. That's crazy to me to think that he's not even an RB2 to a lot of people. And I think we were really undervaluing the season he had last year. He was 10th in points per game. He had 15 touchdowns. And to me, I think the reason that he's being undervalued is because of Dobbins, which I understand because Dobbins is young and everybody thinks he's going to come in and take over that backfield. But to me, I think Dobbins bites into Gus Edwards' carries and not Mark Ingram's as much. Because when you look at Mark Ingram last season, he barely had over 200 carries. So it wasn't like he was a bell cow back last season. He only had exactly... 201 carries, actually, so barely over 200. So this wasn't a guy that was getting the ball every single snap. He didn't even play 50% of the snaps, actually, last year. 49.8%, not quite 50%. So he's a guy that's just very efficient in this offense. So even if he's not on the field 50% of the time, he has top 10 upside. So I don't really... I don't really understand it. Well, I, I do, because like I said, people think Dobbins is going to step in and take Ingram's carries, but I don't think there's any reason that both of them can't coexist.
0: No, exactly. And I wanted to bring up this question to you and, uh, and how much stock you put into it or not really stock, but like, do you believe in, uh, just obviously we saw a lot of times last year, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, they're on the, uh, mm-hmm. they're doing interviews together. they're, they're just—I mean—they're just really good friends. They've created a really good friendship with each other. Um, does that—does that—does that mean anything? Does that put any stock to anything? Because like we we saw with um, we saw with the Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid asked Mahomes, "Who should I take? Who should I take here?" And he wanted Clyde edwards hilaire and they go out and draft Clyde edwards hilaire So it's like that's Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram is his boy, or is it, does that uh, does that does that mean anything for this offense?
1: Yeah, I said that probably two or three months ago. I put a lot of stock into big trusts because I I just think that you can't replace the friendship that they've developed. And you already, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Is at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson is our franchise quarterback. And if he's like Mark Ingram's my best friend on this team, he's going to be a Raven. I mean, that's 100% the reality. Now, will Dobbins maybe take over the bulk of the carries? And Ingram, he is 30, almost 31 years old now. And it makes me laugh because his metric comparison is Frank Gore, who is still in the league. So, <laughs> I mean, you could see Mark Ingram play for the Ravens for five more seasons. Does that mean he's going to be the bell cow? No, and maybe he fades into a Frank Gore kind of role where he gets five, 600 yards a year. But, uh, you know, he'll probably consistently bite into Dobbins' workload. But I read a lot into it because you need to keep that chemistry I think team chemistry is one of the most underrated parts of football and uh, to have a bond like that I, you can't undervalue it and i definitely expect ingram i think ingram's contract is up this year and i a hundred percent and i guess i'm in the minority because everybody says i'm crazy i've had this conversation on twitter with people but I a hundred percent think he'll be back with the ravens
0: all right and then uh what what's going on with their offensive line there
1: Their offensive line was ranked second last year by Pro Football Focus. Heading into this year, they have them fifth. The only reason for that is Marshall Yonda, kind of surprisingly retired this off season. He's one of the he's been one of the best guards over the past ten years. Most likely a future Hall of Famer uh, at the guard position. So they really need to find a way to replace him. They signed DJ Fluker, who's kind of bounced around the league. They drafted a few young guys, but that's going to be a huge hole. But uh, overall, they probably have the best tackle duo and Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown and. Not very many weaknesses. Just the one guard position, which they need to uh, make up some ground there. Yeah,
0: it's a good thing they drafted young guys and not old guys. Uh, <laughs> moving on to their wide receivers. This is a. It's not a room that I'm very excited about, but it's a room that works for this team. Um, and if it works for the team, if it works for Lamar Jackson, then then it works. I just I I tend to stay away from the Ravens wide receivers. I mean, Hollywood Brown is is the biggest name on this list. Uh, They got Miles Boykin. They got Willie Sneed. They drafted Devin DuVernay. They drafted James Proche. So, I mean, they got, like, none of those names just really, outside of Hollywood, he was drafted in the first round too, but none of those names really just stick out at you and say, Wow, it's um, it's just they all kind of just work together. I, I don't really see like a, a fifteen hundred yard ten touchdown guy, even if he's locked in as as the number one. I don't I really I don't really see that on this team. Um, hundred reception guy on this team or like what what what's your thoughts on the wide receiver room? I know you like Hollywood Brown and like I said, he Love works Hollywood. with Lamar. Uh, they 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 had some chemistry together last year, but uh, what's Give me your thoughts. We'll go go there.
1: I mean, I guess I'll start by saying that I think this team has almost no weaknesses, but this is definitely probably the weakest position room that they have on their entire team. I love Hollywood. I I really like his value right now. He's the uh, 30th wide receiver off the board right now. And I 100% understand that this is an offense that had the fewest amount of pass attempts last year and right off the bat that's going to hurt your fantasy production but i i've loved Hollywood Brown coming out of Oklahoma and to me he's closer to Tyreek Hill than he is to Deshaun Jackson and I think there's an important distinction there. You know, Deshaun Jackson's more of just a burner. Tyreek Hill, I don't care. People still need to realize he's a complete wide receiver. I don't care how small he is, how fast he is. He runs really nice routes now. He has great hands. And I put Hollywood in that same exact category. He uh, he's a great route runner. There's a reason that he was a first-round pick. He's not just a burner. He's not just a speedster. And I say the same thing about Henry Ruggs. These are really good wide receivers. So I think Hollywood's definitely the number—well, I guess I'll say number two because Mark uh, Andrews did have more targets last season and will probably be the number one option in the passing game. But Hollywood has a ton of ability. He uh, was actually 13th last year in red zone, Reshev. Red zone receptions. He had nine total red zone receptions. Uh, Very impressive, especially for a guy his size. You don't really think of him as a red zone threat, but he, he had seven touchdowns in his rookie season, which was very impressive. And I think he'll be able to build upon that. I think you're realistically looking at a guy that will have over 100 targets last season or this season. He had 71 last year, so a little bit of an improvement there. But he could take over as the number one guy uh, over Mark Andrews. I really wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And I love how this team is built. I just love the ground and pound. And then they have all these speedsters, to stretch the field and uh, the play off the play action. So I really like the way this team is built. And I think the only other guy I'll really mention is Devon Duvernay because I really like his talent as well. He falls into that category. Another speedster. But I remember when I was looking into his analytics at Texas a little bit, he had the second best catch rate in all of college football last season. So once again, this is a guy that everyone's like, oh, he's a burner, but he has great hands. So I love Devon DuVernay. He's one of my favorite stashes in dynasty leagues. I have him in several taxi squads, and I think he could reap huge dividends because you, you talk about people potentially stopping this run game. So you might see Lamar, and that's why I think Lamar could have a similar uh, production fantasy-wise, is even if those rushing totals come down, he only had like 3,100 yards passing. So he realistically could make up for it through the air, and I could see guys like DuVernay and Hollywood being the beneficiaries of that.
0: All right. I just want to bring up a couple, uh, just a comparison here uh, between a couple names that were mentioned. So Tyreek Hill comes in at 5'10", 185 Antonio Brown, who I guess you could compare to him, comes in at 5'10", 186. Um, Antonio Brown was an excellent route runner. He's excellent in space. He could do everything, go deep. He catches it over the middle, kicks punters in the face. I mean, he just does everything. Hollywood Brown is 5'9", listed at 170, but there's been a lot of uh, news going on that he's been working now, putting on muscle. So I don't know how accurate this 170 is. I don't know if he put on 15 pounds of weight just to um, just to get up to those other two guys, but he's he's definitely putting in the work. He's got the hands like Brown and Hill do. He does he has a speed like Brown and Hill do. He's got the route running like Brown and Hill do. Um, it's I mean I might be leaning a little bit more towards Hollywood Brown now just off of my couple minutes of research while you were talking, but uh, he's uh, it's yeah I mean. I'm liking the way that they're going, but if he could if he could get up to Hill and Brown's weight and just do the same things that they do, then we might have a special player here. Moving on to their tight ends, they did ship one out to Atlanta. Um, Hayden Hurst is now gone, so instead of being a three-headed monster, it's now a two-headed monster. Really, only a one-headed monster. Nick Boyle does come in every once in a while, but this is the Mark Andrews show. He was one of uh, Lamar Jackson's favorite targets last year. He's the guy that did have 10, 10 receiving touchdowns from last year. He was the breakout, the breakout player. Um, he was. He's now included in that top four tight ends in fantasy drafts now. After Kittle and after Kelsey, it's. Uh, is still up there to some people, but then it's Andrews and, and even Waller's thrown in there, so um, he kind of just made it his way into that that second tier of guys be- behind Kelsey and or, or Kelsey and Kittle, um, but he's. I had him last year. I absolutely loved it. He really didn't give me anything bad. I don't have anything bad to say about him. Um, even even if Lamar regresses and, and drops six touchdowns, uh, or eight touchdowns, like I said at the beginning, Mark Andrews might go down one or two also, but he's still going to be a favorite target. He's going to be a red zone target for Lamar, and he's still going to have that, uh, that big tight end one value.
1: Yeah, and with Mark Andrews, I mean, the bottom line is when you think about it, how many tight ends in the NFL are their team's number one target? Not very many. And Mark Andrews is in that category. So as much as I love Hollywood at this point, Mark Andrews is still probably the number one target on the Ravens. So consensus top five guy, big red zone threat, had over 850 yards last season, there's really nothing negative you can say, you know, if anything, I would say that his ADP as the 3rd or 4th tight end is where I get a little dicey in drafting tight ends cuz you're talking maybe in the 6th round where you can pick up some solid running backs and receivers. And like I've said a several times, I think this tight end class is really deep. So I guess that's the only negative, but this guy's going to produce and that's the bottom line. Now, Nick Boyle is actually a little interesting to me because he's a guy last year that had 43 targets and Hayden Hurst is leaving behind 40 more targets. And I think realistically, you could see Nick Boyle pick up a big chunk of those targets for this season. So you could look at him maybe having 70 or we'll say 75 targets, give or take. And if he's able to do that, you could be looking at a season where he has 50 receptions for... 500 or so yards and he could be a very productive bi-week fill in tight end if mark andrews ever went down he could flirt with tight end one value because this is a very tight end heavy system but nick boyle is a name i'm not going to draft him but he's very intriguing to me because i do think he'll pick up quite a bit of volume with hurst out of the way
0: all right and then going out to their special teams. Justin Tucker, he kind of goes against everything that we said in previous episodes, because he does play in a, not really colder weather, but he does play in the Northeast, Um, and then his divisional rivals are also in the Northeast and in colder weather, too, but he is a kicker that you do want to draft. He's, a lot of times, he's the first kicker off the board. He's the one that kind of gets the kicker run started. That's not where I'm drafting him, obviously, (laughs) if he goes into the last two rounds, or even for a guy like Tucker, I'll even go last three rounds. If he's oh. there. If he's there, I'll take him. Um you can't really deny his talent. Plus the offense put up a ton of points last year and, and I expect it to happen again. But so he is kinda he is that one guy out of all the guys that we've mentioned that doesn't play in a dome, a majority of his games aren't in a dome or warm weather that you're still taking as a kicker, as a K one, as we started to coin.
1: Yep, definitely got to grab that K-1 early and often. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Tucker was third in points last season. Throughout the course of his career, he's been a top three kicker almost every season. And, yeah, I mean, he kind of makes us look dumb with all uh, how good he is. (laughs) Kind of goes against everything that we've talked about. But the reality is it's just pure talent i mean he's the most talented kicker in this league uh, i get. i mean now that i'm saying that out loud that sounds ridiculous to say but i mean it's true he's probably the most accurate and has the strongest leg in the entire league so i'm not drafting him because realistically somebody in your league is going to take him in like the 10th or 11th round and that's just craziness to me because if you look at the difference between justin tucker as a third kicker off the board and the 10th kicker I mean, it's very minimal. You're talking about less than a point a week. So I'd rather try to get a a high upside wide receiver running back or even my boy Mike Jacecki in that range. So I'm not drafting him, but there's no doubt if you want to take a kicker that's going to provide a a ton of points week in and week out, it's Justin Tucker.
0: Yeah, damn those uh, roster fillers. Those are the guys that are in your league that Okay, they yeah. got all their starters full, and only like only K is open left. Okay, Tucker's the Tucker's the best guy. He's never gonna drop because of that. Um, they're kicking punt returners. They got a they got a little mixture of guys back there. Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Justice Hill, who we haven't even mentioned. I don't think either of us yeah. mentioned him. Um, I, I think I mentioned that he got pushed back because of J.K. Dobbins. And then Chris Moore. So um, obviously Hollywood is going to be on some teams. Willie Sneed, if you're in like a super deep league with a ton of flex spots and bench spots, you might you might grab Willie Sneed. I know he's been on a couple fantasy rosters over the past two years uh, with the Ravens and just kind of like a bi-week fill-in, just trying to figure out who their wide receivers are. But he's... Uh, not really, uh, not not really too rosterable. But if you're in a special teams league, might be a guy to look out for. Justice Hill might be a guy that you might be stashing on your, stashing in your taxi if you got a two-year taxi there, second-year players. So he's another guy to look out for. Going on to the defense, they're a top-five defense overall as a unit. Their uh, their biggest acquisition this year outside of their draft, uh, their first-round draft pick is Clayus Campbell, who they got from Jacksonville. Um, he comes from a defense that used to be in the top five, top three, that really isn't anymore, and now he's in the top five, top three defense again. Uh, Matthew Judon is another name to look out for, a veteran there. Um, their first round pick this year was Patrick Queen. He looks like he's going to slot right into their middle linebacker role and be, um, and be a big tackle monster there. He's, he was one of the highly rated linebackers in this. It's, it's a weaker line uh, linebacker class this year, but uh, he's, he's he was one of the top rated ones. I think after Isaiah Simmons, he might have been number two. Uh, Malik Harrison is another early round pick, third round pick for, he, for the Ravens. Uh, so he's another dynasty stash there, somebody that you would be able to put on a taxi if you wanted to taxi any IDPs. Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, these are all just the guys that make up how, why this defense is going to be top three, top five. Those three guys, not necessarily really fantasy relevant because they do play on the back end. They're not going to get a lot of stats, but if you got to play somebody in a DB role, those, be, those would be guys to target.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I already mentioned it. This offense and defense has, and even special teams, if you want to throw that in there, they have very few weaknesses overall. I'll touch up on Justice Hill quickly before I talk about some of these IDPs, but I don't know what they're going to do with that guy. I just can't see where he's going to carve out a role unless it's just strictly as a punt and kick returner. So uh, I know a lot of people were high on him last year and thought he was going to carve out a third down role, but I think with J.K. Dobbins, that hope and dream has been crushed. So if you're holding on to him, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, looking at the IDPs here, they did bring in uh, Campbell, who you mentioned, and Derek Wolf, actually, from the Broncos, who was very solid last season. But as a unit, they were fourth overall. Calais Campbell last season was the 18th best defensive lineman, so... Uh, Most leagues now play two defensive linemen if you do have IDPs, so he's definitely draftable, and he uh, provides pretty good value right now. I've seen him go past the 25th defensive lineman off the board, so nice value there. Marlon Humphrey is a very interesting name, actually. He was the number one scoring cornerback, not safety or DB, number one scoring cornerback last year, and he was actually 12th among all DBs, so actually uh, a guy that's not really being drafted very highly, but provided a lot of value last season and could be a back-end DB1 or a high-end DB2 at that point. Uh, Matthew Judon, who you did mention, 36th linebacker last season, had some big weeks, more of a sack guy. So if you're in a format where he counts as a defensive lineman, he has dual eligibility. He's much more valuable there because he's not really a tackle monster. Then you mentioned there are two rookies in the middle. Patrick Queen, I love Patrick Queen. He's most likely going to lead this team in tackles. This season, Um, I'm not overdrafting him because he will go through some rookie struggles. But if you can get him around linebacker 20 or so, that's a guy that can provide you top 15 value. And Malik Harrison's interesting as well. And a lot of people really haven't been talking about him with Patrick Queen there. But this could be a really scary uh, inside duo for years to come. On the back end, I guess the only other name I'll mention is Earl Thomas. I know a lot of people have him as a top-end DB, but he struggled more than we've seen him struggle in his days with Seattle early on, so I'm not really targeting him. I'll take a younger upside guy instead, but as a unit this is definitely a top five.
0: Alright, and then our final thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens. I think we're both in agreement that uh, that they're going to win the AFC North again. The Steelers, hopefully, I mean, as it they're at least going to start out the season with him. Big Ben uh, should be back, and hopefully, he could stay on the field and, and kind of give uh, the Ravens a run for their money. Um, Baker, I think that he's he's going to have a better year. The Browns overall are going to have a better year. I think the Ravens are kind of just too strong for the Browns right now. Um, the, the Steelers defense kind of give them a chance there but it's it's going to be a fun division to watch the Bengals are a little still a little behind they're going to be a little bit better they're going to be exciting and um, but they're not they're not at that level yet but it's I wouldn't even call it a two horse race i think that you really can't count out the Steelers if they have Big Ben but i think the Ravens are just uh are, are just too good to really be close it might be it might be like a three game difference maybe like a 13 and 3 Ravens 10 and 6 um Steelers something like that 9 and 7 Steelers 12 and 4 Ravens but it's uh i got the Ravens winning the division Steelers coming in second
1: I mean, the Ravens are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. I mean, I've mentioned a few things. Their wide receiver group could improve a little bit, but I think there's a lot of potential there as well. They need to replace a guard, uh, minor things here and there. Their defense, they really don't have any holes. But, I mean, if you're looking at the top teams in the AFC, it'll be, in my opinion, and I'm sorry to say this out loud because I'll probably jinx it, but I think there's three teams that are in contention to uh, get that top seed. And for me, it would be the Ravens, the chiefs and the bills. And, uh, but the, the Ravens are just more complete. They have great coaching, a great overall team. The only difference for me, and the reason they probably won't win 14 games again, is because their division as a whole should improve. As you mentioned with, uh, a new coaching staff in Cleveland, an overhaul in Cincinnati. The Bengals aren't only going to win two games this season. Big Ben is back. So maybe they lose another two divisional games there just because it's more competitive. But this is a team that's going to be in contention for the Super Bowl 100%.
0: Super Bowl 100, huh? You heard it here first. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So that's going to be the Ravens. We'll see you guys next episode.